0: you're listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast brought to you by nottinghamshire live hello welcome to garibaldi red from nottinghamshire live my name is matt davis and i'm hosting as ever today talk all things forest joined first of all today by red's legend gary Bertels. hello gary you well good afternoon yeah very good thank you good 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 and joining us also is forest fan michael temple temps hello thanks for joining us you well Morning, Matt. All good here. thank you. Good, 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 good. So, um, a 1-1 draw against Reading at the weekend. Another point on the road, and I guess um, any point's a decent point away from home. Forrest did lead 1-0, and there's a chance we'll talk about for Lewis Graben uh, to make it 2-0 before Forrest were pegged back. Um, Temps, you watched it in full. What did you make of it? A a fair result or not?
1: Yeah, good point on the road. I think um, Forrest um, probably had the better of it early on didn't make that advantage tell as you hinted at there had a chance to um, put the game out of sight and force reading into making some 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 changes which could have weakened their their system um, but yeah all things considered if you draw draw your away games or you win your home games you're in, in good nick so I think we have to consider it a point game.
0: I suppose Gary zinkenagel got on the score sheet a very good goal you know five minutes in drawing outside the box it's good to see him back, isn't it? Because he's not really quite been at it the last few weeks, has he?
2: Well, it's always different, uh, difficult when a new manager comes in. You know, you've got to adjust to the way he wants to do things. And he's got a different way of uh, playing on the Saturday, different way of training methods, I would think. So it's not always easy just to pick it up like that. Uh, good to see him on the score sheet. And, you know, we know he can create. We know he's a, a very talented player. And we want him at his maximum. And uh, hopefully... Um, we're going to see that in the coming weeks. Talking about the game, I think uh, what strikes you more about it is that we're a little bit disappointed with a point, which I think is a fantastic thing. When you're disappointed with a point away from home at Reading, uh, you know, what, four four to six, seven weeks ago, we'd have been absolutely delighted with a point. We're happy with a point, but since Steve's come in, you know, were maybe a little bit disappointed. And I think the other thing, Reading having the points deduction, they were always going to be up for it. You know, they're, they're not very happy about it. The players would be fired up. The manager would have gotten fired up. And it was always going to be a difficult game because of that. So when you look at it in
0: that perspective, yeah, a very good point. He's... Um... Cooper, uh, he chops and changes formation at the moment, which I don't mind at all. Uh, it seems to be horses for courses. I mean, do you have a preference, Temps, on three-four-three, four-two-three-one? Four, three, Does it actually matter? It's all about intent. How do you see this kind of approach that he's taking to games?
1: I think before the Reading match, I would have had a preference for the the three at the back because I felt that was how to, to get the best out of Jed Spence and, and Max Lowe, who've been uh, really important for Forest. Um, this this season, having seen them start at fullback, I think they can be in the game um, just as much, if not more, given how uh, Forest have learned to to cover for their kind of marauding runs, particularly in the space of uh, sorry in the um, uh, in the context of Jed Spence, who uh, who does that um, so like so willingly and so effectively throughout the game. The challenge was when Maxlow went off and he was replaced by by Bong. Um, that threat instantly fell away. There was a really frustrating instance where um, Brennan Johnson, who was starved of the ball in the game, um, found him space, himself in space on the left-hand side and, and Bongs passed it out of play 10 yards uh, behind him. So we just feel a little bit little bit threadbare there. And I think that formation was designed to get the best out of those two um, full-back slash, slash wing-backs. Uh, we just have to, to find a way to um, make the most of their abilities while we can. Uh, big topic, obviously, with... Um, uh, Middlesbrough's uh, interest in getting Jed Spence back into their side and, and Max Lowe's injury
0: yes we'll come on to all that uh in a bit I wanted to first talk about it. we might as well go through the game uh you know with this talk about this grab and miss Gary you've seen it now you're the perfect person to ask are you passing that ball for a tap into Jack Colback as a striker or are you backing yourself to beat the man on the line when Lewis Graven uh does really well out wide five minutes in second half is cleared off the line it, the game did rather hang on that in a sense. what would you have done? I'd have squared
2: it without a doubt because as a striker, before I saw it, I thought, well, strikers always have that opportunity. they always want to score the goal, but sometimes you have to lift your head up and see what's in front of you, and you can do that very quickly. A quick glance up, two bright yellow shirts. It's not as if they you know there were gray shirts or anything like that, and the angle he was at was very acute, and a goalkeeper any any goalkeeper worth his salt. We'll cover that near post and most times save it. So you saw the frustration with the two players uh, who would just have had a tap in, and rightly so, that was a wrong thing to do at the wrong time. And you have to be unselfish sometimes. Strikers, yes, be selfish, but there are times when you have to say, right, okay, he's in a better position than me, and you have to get your head up and you do it quickly. It's instinctive, and uh, you know that could have been the difference between the three points and the one point.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think we have been I'm being a bit unfair by saying the game hung on that because Forrest obviously conceded a goal, which I'll ask temps about in a minute. But you know, football, football matches are 90 minutes long. Is it a bit unfair for me to single out Graben, putting your striker's hat back on again, Gary? No,
2: I don't think you I don't think you're singling him out. You're just looking at an incident that could have, you know, put the game to bed, maybe. And you're asking about an individual. If it was anybody else, if it had been, you know, Lyle Taylor, if it had been. Um, Bren Johnson you'd have still been having the same conversation so you're not singling anybody out you're just singling a situation out that you've got to ask the question should he have passed it or did he do the right thing because he's a striker on that occasion he should have passed it Mm. simple as that
0: Mm. are you tearing your hair out as a fan at that one temps because sometimes you want the guy who's meant to get you 20 goals to to back himself don't you it's a bit of a double-edged sword really isn't it
1: Grubben looked fit. He looked sharp, held the ball up well, um, ran into corners, really, really hungry for work. Um, but unfortunately, two key instances um, involving him, he came out on the, the wrong side of. Gary's right. Of course, he should have passed that ball. Jack Colback was stood on the back stick with a, a tap in from less than a yard out. There was no need to take on the, the shot with the defender on the front post. And then second half, James Garner's him um, through. He's rounded the keeper. And the angle was relatively acute, but you, you'd back him to stick it in left peg. So I think, but for those two instances, that was a, a 9 out of 10 performance from Graben. Led the line, is an automatic selection. And if he'd have made a different decision or executed better in either of those situations, he'd have been the, he'd have been the match winner. But yeah, take the percentage option, square all pass there, Jack Colback taps it home. I think it's a very different game.
0: Yeah, I forgot the... The the one on the left foot. It's like that one against Rotherham, but not as bad when he missed the near open goal. I think. Um, See,
2: people people will say, uh, "Well, you know, if he'd have gone, you know, score at the near post, you know, you would have been moaning about it." But the fact is, he didn't, mm. and because he didn't, you look at the options, and that option is blatantly obvious to everybody watching. And uh, you know, I'm sure he saw his two teammates there, and
0: unfortunately, didn't try and pick them out. How do you think his teammates react to that? I'm really delving into this now, but you know, you're in the dressing room, Gary. Are the teammates pinning him up against the wall. He doesn't look like the kind of person who likes that. But do you dig him out, or does that depend on the individual?
2: Uh, you possibly do it in the dressing room. you saw the reaction of the two players; they were absolutely furious. And I would have been exactly the same. Hmm. And he'd have got a volley, believe me. Uh, you know, from when we were playing it, because you expect you know a little bit bit better from your teammates at times. Yeah, he's a great finisher. Yes, we know he's a goal scorer, but you have to be a little bit more than that sometimes. You know, you have to be a team player, and that was one incident where it needed that uh, conviction, you know, being a team player. and As I say, it could have changed the whole um, outlook of the game, and it might not have done, but it could have
0: done. Mm, true, true. Uh, right, let's go on to the how we cover these injuries then. Um, Maxlow hobbles off and... Um... He's out for at least one game, possibly two, uh, probably more with Forrest. Who knows? They do seem, these injuries do seem to drag on. Uh, Ryan Yates is suspended after getting five yellow cards. So they kind of come as a pair. So, Temps, does Gaetan Bong play or does Jack Colback move to left back and you create two holes in midfield? Do you do something completely different I haven't thought of yet? What, what are you doing? Look, we're aspiring to be a top six side at some stage. I
1: don't think you can be a top six side with Gaetan Bong at left back, is my view, having um, watched him a fair few times for Forest now. I think he appears nervous. I think he's aware that um, the jury's out on him, or in fact that some people have made their mind up and he shouldn't be anything more than than back up in the in the forest squad. And I think that's shown in his performance. Um clearly having been successful at Brighton, there's more in there somewhere. And it's up to Cooper to try and coach that out of him if he is going to be the go to guy for 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 this game and to cover Max Lowe's um injury absence. Personally, um I would stick Jack Cole back there. I think Garner looked like a more assured presence than he had been in um, previous um, substitute appearances when he when he came on. There are a couple of touches of real class. The through ball to um, Lewis Graben um, showed that he can be an effective centre mid and, a, and an effective deputy for callback, if you like, at both ends of the pitch. So that would be my move, callback to left back and find a space in the side for, for James Garner while needs
0: must. Who's the second central midfielder with the eight suspended? Um,
1: yeah, you've thrown one at me there, haven't you? So, I mean, Is it a Jada or, or Cafu? Yeah, you talk or... About, um, that's an option. Um, Cafu's gone missing, hasn't he, despite having been a bit of a mainstay um, last year. Uh, you could have a bit of a make-weight, maybe chuck in someone like you know Joe Lolly, with, um, r- rather than put him in that more familiar role a little bit further up the pitch. But to if you're not going to play bong, there needs to be some accommodating somewhere. Um, Figueredo could potentially play um, left-back too. I think at a, at a push, McKenna would. I think Figueroa would be the, the slightly better option. Um, I, I suspect that Cooper will be looking for an alternative to
0: Bong. Yeah, uh, Greg says uh, Spencer at left-back, Drager. Oh, hang on. Yeah, well, that's what Greg says. Also, Greg says, that's why I pick the right one. Drager at right-back, he's another player we've kind of forgotten about. Gary, what's your take on... Bong, do you sort of feel a bit sorry for him because he goes from August to November without kicking a ball, and then you've got to come in and be good? Or do you think you've seen enough of him to just make a ruling and say an experienced player has got to be better than he's been for Forest?
2: It's always a difficult one, you know, for an individual to to uh, have a go at him or not have a go at him when you've not played for ages. I know how difficult that can be. Uh, you're expected to come in and do okay. You are nervous. And like you said, because people, you know, the jury's still out on him. He knows that. He knows that he's not the most popular and he's been making mistakes when he gets in. You talked about the pass that he could have played that went 10 yards short and out of play. You know, those things sort of happen when you've not been playing. Um, but I would, I would go with Colbeck at left-back. You're at home against, against Luton, who, you know, are one of the best teams in the division with the budget they've got. They've been unbelievable. You know, it's not going to be easy to beat Luton because they've got a good manager. They've got a good, you know, ex-Forest contingent in them who we know all about, forest. Um But I, I think at home, it's a, it's a different kettle of fish. I think you can afford to be a little bit more uh, proactive, a bit more flamboyant and, uh, and just get on the front foot from the off and just try and put the pressure on very early on, uh, non-stop. And Jack's proved he can do that. And if it doesn't work, then you have got other options. You can change it. But in the first instance, you know, I'd play him at left-back and uh, then just see how the game progresses. Uh,
0: this is a comment from Peter about uh, Spence again at the fact, Finn back at right-back. And we've kind of forgotten about Finn, who's a very talented young 19-year-old kid who's got a bright future. Do you think, Gary, in a sense this shows that even though Forrest have had this massive turnover of players, in some areas this squad is still a little bit threadbare, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and I think that's the, the impressive thing is be, uh, what Steve has done so far. He's come in, you know, we nobody expected mid-table even when uh, we're in the predicament we're in. Uh, so he's had a very, very good look at all the players, I'm sure, in the squad. He's had international breaks as well, which has been a massive boost, I would think. So he can have a really close examination of what he's got at his disposal. And uh, he'll have every player monitored, and he'll have every player's strengths in his mind, every player's weaknesses, every player in order who he wants to put in there in the, the respective positions, because he's he's very good at doing things like that. He's very good with young players. Uh, he knows the game inside out. He knows the championship inside out. And, you know, what he's done so far has been so impressive, you know, with his backroom staff and the players have reacted. And when you've got reaction like that from players... Players will play in positions they're not always accustomed to. Yeah, you know, I I did it once when I played left back, but I'll never I'd never play there again because it was the hardest position I've ever played. Especially when you're being, you know, you're marking Danny Wallace, who was the flying machine. Um, my one and only uh, appearance at left back. But when I went to centre half, you know, it was it was comfortable. I enjoyed it. Um and you can move things around. You can get players just to be uh, what's the what's the word they always use about the um, the player who can play in all the positions?
0: Utility man.
2: The utility man. Yeah, there are players like that. And, uh, you know, there are players who, you know, don't mind doing that. And you've got to pick those players out and, uh, you know, use them to the full extent. And Steve will know, like I say, every player inside out. And he'll have in his, his own mind already. I'm, I'm convinced, you know, he's starting eleven.
0: Uh, let's continue this selection roulette. Lee's only a good name in of Tyrese Fauna. I've forgotten about him. I really like him. I'd like to see him play, and we kind of know what he can do. Temps were shooting in the dark a bit here with a jader. We're all having a ruling on him. Not, none of us have seen him play a first-team game. I mean, are we raising expectations? Quite a lot of a Paraguayan guy who's never kicked the ball in England before. Look, uh, at a lesser level... On a Sunday morning, <laughs> here in we town, go. I'm trying to pick a team. We
1: have this principle that sometimes, regardless of position, you've got to get your 11 best players on the pitch. So Steve Cooper's got a, a, a really difficult one here. And I think you, you framed it in a way that, that, that I hadn't even noticed in that moving Cole back out of there in the absence of Yatesy could completely disrupt the um, heartbeat, the cent- you know, central midfield pairing of that, of that team. So what should he do in this situation? I think he should make... Um, accommodate more experienced players in relatively unknown positions rather than expose two or three young players at the same time. I'm excited about Fauna. You know, I went to that Bradford game, saw five, six of those top end academy under 23s boys play exceptionally well. Um, but it's a, a very, very different proposition when um, the club is upwardly mobile, climbing the table on a reasonable run under a new manager who's now had the chance to assess all these players, knows that those guys will come good at some stage. I think he'll, he'll end up falling back on the more experienced players on the side who've been in and around the championship for longer periods of time and accept that they can adapt and show that versatility to play out of position. Now, look, hopefully... Um, he will have made a, 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 taken a view that someone like jader is, is first-team ready, but he'd be pinged and be taken a big risk if he put someone in who, who was shown to be um, exposed at this level. So only mm. Steve Cooper will know that. Um, I, I, I trust in him. I'm not concerned that he'll make the, the wrong decision. But in, in terms of making my prediction of what he what he will do, I think he'll revert to experience over relatively untested youth.
0: mm did you want to come in on that, Gary? You looked it, like you did. It
2: was, it was versatile, the word I was looking for. <laughs> Not utility, that was it. Versatile.
0: Okay, that's um, my fault.
2: Yeah, I, I I think the problem is, you know, the, the nature of the Championship. We've seen so many times in the past, players come in with huge anticipation. You know, Cavalio's name's always going to come up. Um, you go back to David Platt's time with the three Italian lads who came in. Clearly... Very talented players, but the championship is brutal. And if you don't know the championship, no matter whether you play at home or away in a game, you could get found out in the first 15, 20 minutes. You could be breathing through, you know what, you know, for the first 20 odd minutes because it's frantic, it's frenetic, it's a difficult, one of the most difficult leagues to play in. Nobody's an easy option when you're playing against them, no matter whether in the. I mean, look at Derby beating Bournemouth yesterday. You know, nobody saw that coming. That's how difficult the championship can be. And sometimes you just have to bide your time as a, a coach or a manager and say, mm, this game might not be the right time. Let's go with, you know, the most experienced with players we've got in the championship. You know, be, you know, positive, be, you know, get on the front foot and and take the game to the opposition. You know, just do that. And mm. because you're at home, different if you're away. Um, the point at Reading will have given people confidence again because everybody thinks maybe we should have beat them so go into the home game and just be ultra positive you know you might lose your defensive midfield players but maybe you don't need your defensive midfield players maybe Garner and Zinchenko and you know that can be you know an option maybe 442 you know you don't know you can change that um system very frequently because he's got players who can fit into you know different systems. So it'd be interesting to see what he does play against.
1: Uh, I think the thing could work at left back in a four, but certainly not a left wing back in a five.
0: Oh no. Yeah. No, true, true. Uh one more point from Philip here about Drake as an international football. He's obviously done well for Tunisia recently. I don't know, the championship's different to international football. I'm not not, not quite sold on that. But obviously, we have to say the manager sees these players more than us. So we trust his decision. One thing I did want to say, um, it's a bit mad, isn't it? Um, we've gone from slating, or some people have gone from slating Ryan Yates and Jack Colback, And now we're having a 20-minute Tiz debate about how the hell do we cover Jack Coleback and Ryan Yates. It's kind of a, a measure of how far they've come, isn't it, Gary? That you know, we're, we're in this position now.
2: But that's what we're saying about you know different managers have different opinions, different ways of playing, different ways of using individuals. And those individuals will conform to that because they're part of a squad. But sometimes a new manager will come in and say, right, I've released your shackles now. Go and show me what you can do with your ability. I've been told you can do this, you can do that. And I'm giving you that opportunity. Just go and ply your trade. Do what you do best. Brian Clough, well, he, the many things he said, but one of the best things he ever said to a player said i only care what you can do what not what you can't do so that gives you when you go out on the pitch you know the biggest lift you could ever have as a player not bother what you can't do just go and do what i know you can do and it looks like steves given that to the players and they've taken that on board and they're just loving every minute of going out there and playing when you're restricted you become nervous you become twitchy you become you know sort of negative but the positivity since Steve's come in has been, you know, very evident. And, you know, you've got to give him huge credit for doing that. And the players have, have got to take credit for taking it all on board and feeling released and, and going to, you know, going out and showing the fans exactly what they can do.
0: I think just looking in the comments, I've only seen one person say uh, Carvalho should play. He's always, he's been on the bench a lot, but he's not got on. Temps, do you feel like we're moving away from Carvalho finally now under Cooper and, and Cafu as well? Are we getting this kind of clutch of players that he's probably made his mind up about?
1: Yeah, unfortunately so. I think if you look at the balance of the squad, while we're clearly struggling for options at, at fullback, um, we're not struggling for options in and around number 10 um, and the two, the two wide boys. So I think Carvalho has um, fallen victim to the emergence of Brennan Johnson the re-emergence to a point of, of Joe Lolly. Um, Zink and Agle did, you know, what we all thought Carvalho was previously capable of in the way he um, marauded forward and, and, and took that goal on on Saturday. So I think the the lack of clamour um, for Carvalho is almost as justified as the way people have come round to seeing the best of um, Ryan Yates and and, and Jack Colback. Um, you know, Gary will tell you it is a fickle business. People very rarely have a nuanced opinion of a footballer. They either um, love them or loathe them. But I'm really pleased that um, Yatesy and Colbach have managed to to prove themselves to to, to Forest fans um, and that the the emergence of those players we've mentioned before has lessened the clamour for for Carvalho. Um, I'm convinced that Forest expected to sell Carvalho in the previous transfer window. And but for those two goals against, um, Bradford and the clamour that that led to it, it could have been a you know a very very different story for for that player um, but yeah the obvious question is if you're going to pick him at the minute at the expense of who and I don't think Forrest fans or the manager would would want to drop one of those players holding uh, one of the shirts that Carvalho wants to nab certainly not at this moment in time.
2: You you made him sound like Del Boy then, the two wide boys. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Brennan
1: Johnson um, had a a six out of 10 performance at the weekend through no fault of his own. They just didn't find him. And I think Mm, he has exploited mismatches in all the games we've seen, all the televised games, all the games we've been to at the city ground. He's been used to exploit the mismatch against the the fullback who's perceived as the weakest. So he's, he's moved a little bit from right to left, but he's always been on top. Now, he had a mismatch again at the weekend, and a couple of opportunities he, he made for himself. He got out his fullback and had a positive influence on the game, but we were just unable to feed him, unable to manufacture um, possessions you know, for him. And he you know why South that is?
2: You know why that is? Because teams now look at oppositions with a fine tooth comb and go right through everything and they'll pick people out and say, right, do not let him have possession because he will absolutely destroy you given the opportunity. And they work on things like that in training and they'll try and stop him whatever way they can. It's always been the same. You know, he's a threat and opposition realise that. So sometimes that's going to be the problem, not because he's not playing well or we can't get the ball to him. Give the opposition credit sometimes for that happening because that's what you have to do against players like him. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. going back to Carvalho thing, it would be very interesting to see if his shackles have been... Release if he played, because I think you know the responsibility on, on him before and the expectation levels because of his reputation were too much for him, and the championship was too much for him. But we've already mentioned about the shackles being released off other players. Has they been released with him? Because if they had, we know in the little glimpses we've seen of his ability that he can make things happen in that final third. So that'd be interesting as well.
0: Mm, true, true. Um. Luton on Tuesday, we know or uh, well, you know Paul Hart really well, Gary. I know him a little bit. We know they're going I'm to be well just to prove it. <laughs> but we know they are going to be well prepared and well drilled, aren't they? Luton, a few years ago, you kind of think, uh, oh, probably you should win that one." Uh, you don't view that game that way now, do you? It's a tough one on Tuesday, isn't it?
2: Not at all. If anybody view that as a a game we should win, then think again because it's not just this season. It was last season as well. They were fantastic. Um defensively sometimes they looked a little bit frail. They went in front. I can remember it was a game 3-0 up and whoever was 3-0 down came back to draw 3-0. So, uh, yeah, they're very good going forward, but sometimes, you know, you can exploit it at the back. You've got Chrissy Cohen there as well. We know, you know, he knows Forrest back to front, as does Paul from previous, in the academy, the younger players. Um, And Steve will know that. I mean, he's, he's shown so far, so much acumen of, of how to go about things with the players he's got about the championship, the players are bought into it massively, and the big thing he'll be saying is, right, don't underestimate Luton don't underestimate Luton. I was at Burnley Saturday for the three all against Palace, and he managed to pick things up, and Crystal Palace were hopeless defending balls in the box set pieces and after you know I think Burnley had got back in the game, I said in commentary. I'll bet Sean died. just told everybody, as soon as you get that ball, get it in their box. Get it in their box. Play on their weaknesses. And you can guarantee they did that. Every time they got in a good area, they put that ball in the box to try and exploit weaknesses. And they did it. You know, they got back in the game and anybody could have won it. But you play on teams' weaknesses. You know the strengths, so you try and stop that. But then on the weaknesses, you say, right, what can we do against those weaknesses? And I'm sure, you know, Steve will have discussed that. They've gone through it with the team and I'm really looking forward to it tomorrow.
0: Are you looking to come in, tamps and say that's one of Forest's weaknesses? Because I think that is one of Forrest's weaknesses. I mean, that goal they can see it on Saturday looks ugly, doesn't it? That low, it looked like a scuffed corner, but I don't think it was. I think it was a plan. But are Forrest a bit weak from set pieces, tamps Yeah, it was, a, it was a planned corner, wasn't it? But any ball along the ground in the box in the corner should be
1: should be cut out. Um, what I wanted to come in on was I do think Forest are the favourites going into tomorrow night's um, game. You know, Luton are uh, a, a one point um, above Forest, but their, their record is mixed one six drew six lost six. I think we have to be looking to take down mid table teams at home if we are to um you know achieve our aspiration and when we spoke a few weeks about gary about becoming a solid aspirant mid-table side and then looking to go again and that's that's pretty much where we've we've got ourselves um to now when you look back at the goals that forrest concede um you do still see people looking around trying to absolve themselves of of, of blame unfortunately at the weekend it was it was joe walls man wasn't it who just got in front of him um, and and you know scuffed one across the floor. It was a defender that scored. I don't think there was any great craft to it. Just got his his foot on the end of it. But yeah, I'd be really miffed conceding a goal where uh, a grass cutting corner has just flashed past the near post, been dummied by a, a midfielder and scraped him by a, a centre half. So definitely something to to work on there. But I don't think Forest have a systematic problem of um, defending set pieces. I think they've become far more resilient in the last um, seven eight weeks. Um, and, yeah, have, have become far more of a, a front foot football team and one that we certainly won't be setting up to to defend um, and sneak a point at home. They'll be going into tomorrow night's game looking to win.
2: Can yeah. I just say about the corner, I, I, I don't think any corner that goes along the floor is meant. I think it's just poor. And th- let me finish that as well. When they do happen, they cause more problems than one that come in with quality because you're not expecting it. And you panic, it's coming in at an angle that you're not used to, a height that you're not used to. You slash at it, it can go anywhere. And they're the worst ones to defend sometimes. And you see a lot of goals coming from not very good corners. Um, you, when the ones that come in you expect to come in with quality, you prefer them because you know what to do with them. You know you're going to have an aerial battle. If you win it, great. If somebody does better and out-jumps you, you know, you just got to hold your hands up sometimes. But those... Scuff ones, are horrible to defend because they just take you by surprise. I say this as
1: well. Danzy, uh, Scott Danny scored that scored the goal. Could have been sent off for wrestling, grabbing to the floor twice. There are mm. a, a couple of real let offs in the referee's mind when he's gone for yellow rather than red, or or turn a bit of a blind eye. I think if if that had been a Premier League game and VAR had been there, different decisions. Oh, if,
2: you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, temps. If you'd been at my game on Saturday. I don't know if you saw it on, you know, Sky or Match of the Day, whatever. Um, Chris Wood was gone past the the defender, passed him. The defender's all over him, grabbed him, pulled him down. And VAR didn't give a a sending off or anything.
0: Staggering.
2: Absolutely staggering.
0: Um, What did Brian Clough say if you ever conceded from a set piece? Was that a definite no-no?
2: Well, you all had your own men. You know, I always used to come back from the court for corners because I was good in the air. And you always picked a man out. You know, you came back to the centre half, and if your man scored, then it was your responsibility. He would probably not have a go at you, but you knew it was your responsibility if he scored that goal. And you took that on board.
0: Uh, Last topic today, probably Um, West Brom away on Friday. We've all got memories of Raddy's volley rippling the net still today from that win under Billy. West Brom, I've just done a video with a colleague who covers West Brom. They do not sound like a happy camp. Their, their fans are absolutely raging at the kind of football they play. They've not lost at home yet. Does it feel like a bit of an opportunity though, Gary, going to the Hawthorns on a Friday night with a restless crowd? Uh, why not? So,
2: you know, it's a Midland derby again. Uh, East v West. Um, you know, When teams are playing like that, they're not having particularly good results and the fans are against them. You do everything you can to make those fans go more against them. Um, Everybody expected West Brom to be flying up there. But you look at the two teams at the top now at the moment. If Bournemouth had a beat Derby, you know, they would have been massive distance in front. Um, but those two look like they could be done and dusted, even at this stage before Christmas. Um, yeah, West Brom, they know they're a fancied team. They know they're one of the favourites to go back up. And that brings its own pressure sometimes. You know, as individuals, some might not be able to cope with that. As a team and as a squad, you've got to cope for it because that's that's the nature of the game. It's great to be a favorite you know i I would always love to be in a team that was favorite to win um because you know that's what you wanted to be part of um but yeah when when teams are down, put them further down if you possibly can. That's why I always said when we played Clough, Brian Clough always used to say, beat a team as by as many as you can just you know don't take the foot off the pedal. You know, when they're down, just keep them down because then the next game, people will say, look at that result from Forest. They beat so-and-so 4-0 or whatever. And that then puts the fear into the next team you play. So, you know, it's it's a good mentality to have. It's simple, it's basic and it works.
0: Uh, A quick extra topic that I hadn't thought of, I should have put my talking points this this week, from Philip Dawson. Dale Taylor, 17 years old, making his Northern Ireland debut without kicking a ball in the first team for Forrest, but uh, ripping it up in the under-23s. Gary, you've been a young striker, 17 years old, Forrest have got two strikers, the wrong side of 30. Might we see Dale Taylor get a chance soon, do you think?
2: If if Steve Cooper thinks he's deserving of a chance, yes, we will, because he he gives you that, that impression that, if you, you're you good enough, it doesn't matter what your age is. You know, go throw them in there. Let's see what they can do. Because at that age, you don't play with any fear. You just go out there and, and just love the opportunity. I mean, I didn't start professionally till I was 20. You know, I came in late. But having been a floor layer and uh, played at non-league, you come in and you just can't wait to get the opportunity. It's when, you know, you think that opportunity is there to give them. I think the problem for Steve at the moment is we we can see the table and we can see that it's possible to sneak up and maybe get into the playoffs. And that doesn't always give a coach or a manager that opportunity to bring young players through because you, you have to maybe say, right, experience is going to get us because of the championship up the table. If it doesn't, then you can try it. You know, things aren't going right with the experience, then you know you've got all that fantastic young talent just knocking on every door, trying to get the manager's eye to to, to get a game. So he's he's got a, a really good blend of young and old and, and experienced. And uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how he mixes it all up.
0: What do you think about that, Sam? So I remember Craig Westcar playing as a 16-year-old and having a good, steady career, but you don't know what you're going to get, do you, from a teenager? I think Dale Taylor, they seem to have real high hopes for, and you probably know more about young players today as they're coming through than you did even 10 years ago sorts uh, Taylor. You've got to be really careful. I think we debuted Will Swan too early,
1: and he's kind of faded back into obscurity and down the pecking order a little bit. On the flip side, we debuted Brent Barrington at the right time. Um and he he coped with the expectation early on in his forest career, then had a bit of a dry spell and has rediscovered his touch at, at Blackburn. But that's because they now, played him
2: on the right hand side. That's the only reason he yeah. right yeah, played him out of position. That just did him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: But I think you've got, to, you've got to allow a young player to play at levels where he can dominate and continue to develop and then show him a level where you know, he is dominated. And, and even in a cricketing sense, in my, in my day job, we talk about that, those two prospects for academy players. And the balance is very, very important. So two examples there. Will Swan came in too early, faded away. Um, ben Broughton, right time, arguably. West Carr, as you say, has, went on to have a, have a good career around the, around the leagues. Um, I would suspect he's still um, at least fourth, if not fifth choice striker in that Forest squad. So it'd be the wrong time to debut him at the minute in, the, in these two games this week. I don't think we'll, we'll see him um, in the squad, to be honest. But I hope that if he can continue his track record for the under-23s, we find an opportune moment to give him 10, 15 minutes in a game that Forest are already comfortably ahead in. But to answer your question directly, Matt, I think it's slightly too soon for Dale Taylor.
0: Cool. Right. You're winning the background of the week, by the way, Thames, For people who are listening, or watching, you've got two signed England shirts in the background there. I've got the end of a mop, I notice, which my wife will be delighted about. I've left the, the cleaning stuff in the background.
1: Thank you, Matt. I've got a nice pile down here for you. Send over. Okay. When you send me that mug you've been promising me for the last six weeks, I'll send you a signed England shirt. <laughs> oh, God, no. don't talk about those mugs.
2: Hey, where, where was all, the, all this when uh, my charity game, our charity game was going on at... Uh... In I'll June. do it next.
1: Well, there's another one. We've got one. no
2: cricket stuff at all.
1: I did actually. T- I sent something for Tony Woodcock. He hounded me for a few weeks, actually.
2: So I hope that found its way through. Right.
0: It might be in Tony Woodcock's I'll be on your case, the I'll be on your
2: case next year in May when we're doing it at the, <laughs> uh, the city ground. So <laughs> no problem, Gary. Anything you need.
0: Brilliant. Right. I think we'll leave it there. I need to yeah. go and shave this beard. It looks ridiculous. But I left hey, it on because it hides how fat season, my face Just
2: dye it white.
0: Well, if I get rid of it and trim it down, my face looks so fat. It's ridiculous. But I've got to, got to do something. I've got to get <laughs> my hair cut for, Thanks as well. for all that. No, it's all right. Mate, if you do values. buy some hair
1: dye, I will share that bottle with you. I'm in the. I'm it. not dyeing my hair.
0: I mean, look at all of us. We're all going grey <laughs> to some degree. No, I'm not dying <laughs> my hair. What
2: going? I've gone. I've, I've only got 17 <laughs> hairs left.
0: Being very generous. No, I'm definitely not dying my hair. I'll grow, grow old gracefully anyway. Uh, oh, last topic, a yes or no. Is it, I listened to a podcast today and they said it was wrong to have signed football shirts in your house, and I've got one. Uh, don't rob me, anyone. Uh, yes or no, Tams, would you have a signed football shirt in your house? Would your missus let you have a signed football shirt in your house? No, so my, my office is a bit of a shrine to sports,
1: uh, but no, I don't have anything signed on the walls at home.
0: Ah, this is a good question for a guy who's played for England and won a European Cup. Have you got any memorabilia around your house, Gary? Nope, none
1: at all. <laughs> See if I was if I was Gary, I, I would have. I don't think I could resist the fact that I've signed shirts, played for my country, played for Forest Manu. New- I haven't even do. got
2: one of my England shirts left. I don't know where they are. What? I don't know where they, I don't, I don't know what happened to them. I had a calsio shirt from the European Championships in Italy. I had a Migueli shirt from Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And I uh, had an Argentinian shirt um, from my debut, and they've disappeared off the face of the earth as well. I don't know where they are, they're in a bin liner somewhere. Steve Odd
0: hasn't got them has he with Maradona's shirt no I spoke to him the other day so he still happily got that but uh, yeah safely locked away <laughs> Good. right we need to end this we're waffling on we yeah, need to on. get back to work thanks very much everyone we'll be back uh, possibly after the Luton game possibly after the Albion game I haven't drawn up any plans I'm very disorganised as ever but uh, thanks to everyone who watched or listened along Temps thank you very much pleasure Matt speak to you soon cheers Gary and cheers, thanks very much Gary we'll see pleasure. everyone soon Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.